order you stopped. <laughs> oh, man, I, I didn't want it to stop. Okay, let's start back at the top. Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Again, I say it every Sunday. Sometimes we forget how great you are. Sometimes we look at how great our problems are and what we're dealing with. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And Father, our faith helps us believe that what's in front of us is greater than what's behind us. It's our faith that pleases you. The fact that we trust you and place our lives and in in our salvation and our future and our family and our health and our finances, everything in your hands. Lord, you're honored. You, you, you love all of us, but you're honored by those who have faith in you. It just, it does, it brings you this joyful, holy pride to know that you have sons and daughters here on this earth that in the middle of everything they're going through, and we have a lot of people here that are dealing with a lot of things. They're here today, and they're here today to honor you, and they're here today to worship you and, and pray to you and cry to you and listen to you and exalt you. Father, honor them. Honor them. I know you will. I know you will, because that's who you are. Bless this message, Father, that we're about to receive. May we sit back, and now that we've released all the fears or all the concerns that we've had in prayer or in worship, now now speak to our souls. Give us something that we can take with us, that we can carry the rest of this week, and we can share with others. Jesus' name. And all of God's people say, give God a praise offering. He's worthy of it. Amen. You guys are welcome to have a seat. Thanks again for being here and taking time out of your busy schedule. Like we say this every week, we pray and hope that this week is, um, is the best, the best week, uh, the best, uh, this day, this hour is the best hour of uh, your whole week. Before we get into the message, just a couple of really quick things. Know that on the 17th of April, which we're three Sundays away, it's two Sundays and then that following Sunday, it's, uh, it's Easter. And I'm going to do a really neat sermon on the power of the blood, the power of the cross, and the power of the tomb. All three of those. And how all three of those things add value to your life and what they do for you. So, so it's, a very, it's a very powerful message. I've been studying it for the last three weeks, and I, I'm, I'm learning a lot more of, of the power of the blood and the cross and the empty tomb. So I want to encourage you to bring your friends. I know we have two services at 9 and 11. So please bring uh, someone that, that you love and just, just sit back and just hear the message. You'll be blessed by it. Um, <clears throat> also know that at the end of, I, I fin- when I finish preaching, we're going to take communion because it's the last Sunday of the month. And you guys know, if you don't know, some of you are new here. When we do uh, communion on the last Sunday of the month, it's something that God asks, Jesus asks us to do, to do this and remember me. Uh, and we do it the last Sunday of the month because you, I want you to reflect all what your month has gone through, what you've been through, and how you go back and always go back to the table of Christ and depend on Christ and just surrender to him on what he has for you in your life. So, so that'll be a very good thing. Um, also know that we've got a lot of Bible studies going on. We have men's Bible studies. Uh, we've got them several. We've got them on a Wednesday morning, on a Wednesday night, on a Saturday night. Um, 
really encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, we try to have the women's ministry this past Monday, but a tornado kind of prevented that. And we wanted, we, we, we had to make a decision. There was no tornado here. I know that. Maybe in your household, sometimes that happens when the teenagers come home from school. It's kind of crazy. Or when they're going off to school in the morning. But, but we just wanted to be safe. And, and so we'll have it this Monday. You're welcome to join, ladies, to join us here. And we're excited about the young adults. So we're going to have coming in April after Easter on the 19th, I think it's the 19th on Tuesday, we'll have a Bible study for the 20-somethings, young adults. If you consider yourself a young adult, um, <clears throat> dye your hair if you need to, <laughs> to show up to that, but you're welcome to do that too. So we're really excited about that. Okay. Uh, also, as you walk out today, we have some Bibles to give away. We have some books to give away, some CDs, a, a series that I preached, woo. 10 years ago, about 20 pounds ago, uh, you're, welcome to ha- you're welcome to have it. Uh, it's, it's a, it's, I, I know it's, it's CDs. Probably people don't have CDs anymore. We were cleaning our house this week, and, and um, we weren't going to give you all any cassettes. We threw those away. Or A-tracks. We threw those away as well. Some of you don't even know what A-tracks are. <laughs> or, or reel-to-reel. Or 45s. Anyone know what a 45s? There's some, yeah. There's some people here. Who know who Johnny Cash is? That's great. Okay, <laughs> but but uh, we we you know we have so much stuff, and it's like I told Roseanne, if I haven't worn it in two months, or if I haven't uh, read it in two months, let's give it away. And she said that didn't apply to her, but it it, 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 it did to me. <laughs> we have some Spanish Bibles too, so if you have anyone in your family that needs a Bible in Espanol. They're right there. And, and, and don't say it's for, for I mean, if you speak Spanish, please take it. Don't, don't say, I'm going to learn Spanish. <laughs> don't do that. Okay. So this series, I don't know about you, but I love this series. I love this series because as I think about my faith, I think about that's where it all starts. And that, that's where it all, that's where it all, that's where our life is. We live by faith. Everything we do, we, we, we do it with this expectation that, that something's coming, something good's coming. And even, even when something's going on that's bad, our faith compels us to believe it's not going to last longer than what God has for me. What God has for me is greater than what I'm dealing with right now. Faith helps you get up every morning. Faith helps you hope and believe that, great, that, 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 that something good is going to happen. In the middle of the bad, faith doesn't let you quit. Faith is, is the language of God. It, it is the culture of God. It is, it is what he wants you to live by the rest of your life. And our faith will get challenged at times. And our faith will get stretched at times. And our faith at times will, will, will become weak because we take our eyes off God. We take our eyes off of the power of God and the love of God and doubt starts creeping in. So we all walk in this wonderful life and this, this, this difficulty of life. But in the middle of that, we pray that your faith continues to grow. And you're responsible for your faith. I said this the other day. I'm not responsible for your faith. 
I'm only responsible for mine. I am responsible for what I let into my life, what I let into my heart, what I let into my soul, what will build my faith versus what will destroy my faith. I get to choose what I eat when I get to the table of faith. I can choose faith or I can choose fear. I can choose trust or I can choose to eat doubt. And I am, and as I am responsible for it, what I listen to, what I watch, what I read, what I hear, who I surround myself with will help me with my faith. Now, some of you, I don't want you to put your head on and go, man, I'm not in a good place with my faith right now. Then this is the best time for you to be here. We're glad that you're here. We're glad that on Sunday morning, you could be somewhere else eating barbacoa, eating barbacoa and drinking Big Red. You could do that today, and you still can after church. You decided to come to church to feed your faith. And as you feed your faith, you starve your fear. And, and so I, I commend you for that because your children are going to learn the faith that you have. Your grandchildren are going to live the faith that your children have. So you have this amazing responsibility to grow your faith. We learned two weeks ago that, that Abel was a man who listened to God and faith listens to God. Last week, we learned about Enoch and how Enoch, what Enoch did is Enoch walked with God and faith not only listens to God, faith walks with God. Today, we're going to learn about Noah and we're going to learn about how, what Noah did and Noah's faith helped him to fear God. Next week, I'm going to talk about Abraham and how Abraham learned to obey God, because faith obeys God, faith fears God, faith walks with God, and faith listens to God. And I can't, I can't thank enough to the production team that has set up uh, your version app where you can look at it now. And there's the small group questions will be there all week. Make sure you save it so you can study it this whole week and just continually feed your faith. It's very important to do that. So with Noah, Noah is one of, one of the most amazing men that have ever lived. This is, this is what I'll tell you about Noah. God tells Noah to do something that's never been done before because something that has never been seen before is going to happen. And Noah has to make a decision. Does he do what God tells him to do even though it's never happened? And to a certain point, we as the church are the modern-day Noah. God asks us to do something different than what the rest of the world does because something is coming that has never been seen before. There's a judgment that's going to come to this world that has never been seen before. What you're going to learn today in the flood of Noah, it is the most cataclysmic Old Testament judgment that has ever happened in the Old Testament. You think about it. Everybody but eight people died. That judgment was coming. And the entire time, Noah was preaching the word. And I'll show you how he was preaching the word. The most amazing thing about Noah that impresses me is he is relentless and determined and, and, and persistent to finish the task that God has asked him to do. And if for a moment, if for a second, Noah doubts or decides not to do it because it is too difficult, him and his family lose their life. The most amazing thing about Noah is this. Noah builds this ark for 120 years. 
120 years, Noah wakes up every day knowing what's in front of him, knowing what he has to do, and knowing the ridicule and the criticism that he's going to face. Because when you start to understand what the world was like in the time of Noah, you will be, you, you, you won't believe it. All you have to do is read Genesis chapter 6, the first four verses. So you can see how the depravity of humanity was like, how ugly men were and women were, and the state of the sinfulness of the people of this earth. The culture of Cain has expanded itself so far and so deep to where every thought and every action and every day for every second, all men and women thought about was themselves and the evil ways of life. And the darkness of this world. It says in Genesis chapter 4 that the sons of God, which are, which are angels in the, in the translation of the vocabulary of the word of God. So, so these fallen angels came to this world and, and these men and these women would allow the demonic presence of these fallen angels into their lives. It even says that women married them. So there you get a good idea of how dark the world was, when God destroys all of the world but eight people, you know it's got to be bad. You know it's bad, and it's, it's worse than we could ever imagine. You think we got it bad now? It's cupcake right now compared to what it was like. And the whole time, Noah does what God says. Why? You're going to learn because Noah feared the Lord. What I'm going to show you today is there's two types of fear. And I'll get that when I get to truth number three. And I'm going to show you the beauty and the blessing of fearing the Lord. How fearing the Lord will bless you and it will save you. I would rather fear the Lord than fear humanity. Uh, and, and so you guys got to know this. This is like cassette gospel. <laughs> and what I mean by the cassette gospel, it is fire and brimstone, oh, good, good old time religion gospel, where Johnny Cash is going to come up and sing after I'm done. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's that kind of stuff. It's the fear of the Lord that changed Johnny Cash's life. I mean, it was that. And for some of us, we need the love of God. Go, I just need God to love me. There's nothing wrong with that. For some of us, we need the fear of God to save us. And and, And God will use them both. God will use both. Some of you... Accepted Jesus because of the because of the fear of God and the fear of hell. Can I hear amen? Amen to some of you guys? Yeah? And then you learned about the love of God and you're like, oh, wow. And some of you... The first, the first door you walked into was the love of God, and it's wonderful. And then you found out what God can do, and then you're just like, ooh, oh God, ooh, there's got to be a little bit of fear there. And that's wonderful too. But here's what I've got to tell you. You got to have both. You got to have both. It's got to be a healthy balance. You can't just have one without the other because that's half the gospel. That's half the gospel. You need them both. You need to respect the office of God and who God is. So there was a while back where one of our children got in, got in trouble with the law. We had to go up in front of a judge, and, and, you know, my wife and I are there. And the judge said, sir, do you have anything to say? I was like, I got, I got a little, I, got, you know, I don't get nervous except when Roseanne walks in the room. 
because she's gorgeous. That she's gorgeous. It's like, <laughs> I lose my breath and my wallet, but, but first my breath. It's my breath first, wallet second. But, but <laughs> sorry. But you have to respect the office of the judge. I mean, it's like this, this guy or this lady, they, they have authority over me. And they could determine the next five minutes, five years, five months, 50 years of our lives by the decision that they're going to make. I don't want you to say amen because those of you who say amen, you've gotten in front of a judge. And I want to know what you did to get in front of a judge. But, but you understand. Well, in the same way, you, you, you fear and respect the office and honor the authority of God. And what you're going to learn today is, is what Noah did was amazing. Truth number one that I'll share with you, and this is, this is, is one of my favorite pictures in all of this, faith, faith can't stand alone. Faith can't be still and stagnant. Faith can't do nothing. Faith, I know it's a, it's a double negative, but, but faith has to, it, it, it has to do something. Faith was created by God to make things happen. Faith will not sit on its hands and be a spectator. Faith does not know how to spectate. All faith knows how to do is participate and engage. So when you put your faith in God, you don't sit in the stands and watch the game. You become part of the game. You don't become a fan. You become a, a, a player in this wonderful thing called life and God will move you and push you to do things that you would not normally do if you didn't have faith. We have so much faith in so many things. Right now, you got faith that that chair is going to hold you up. When you get in the car, you have faith in your mechanic that when you press the button or start the car, whichever way you do it, uh, that it's going to start. And you have faith in, in the, the person that dealt with your brakes that when you have to step on the brakes, they're going to stop. Have you ever driven a car where you stepped on the brakes and it didn't stop? I have. It's the scariest thing. I screamed like a little girl. I mean, it was, ah, it was scary. It's like, oh my gosh. I put my faith in material things. When you put your faith in God, it's going to move you to do things. It always will. It will compel you. It, 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 it's a catalyst. It, it's a catapult. And it moves you forward. Everywhere in the Bible, it always teaches that men and women come to God by faith. And men and, men and women, when they come to God by faith, they start to grow and live in faith. I'm not talking religion. I'm not talking rituals. I'm not talking rules. I'm not talking that. Because some people come to God by rules and rituals and religion. And it's rigid and it's all outward. Faith is inward. Faith is something that God places inside of us and it compels us to do things that we cannot help but do the things that he calls us to do. You had faith in someone when you married them. You put your faith in them. So I ask you today, as you, learn to, as you learn to hear about this story, learn more to put your faith in God and learn more to fear the Lord because I will tell you, the, the fear 
that comes from putting your faith in God is one of the greatest blessings you'll ever have in your life. Give him a praise offering for that. So there's five things that our church is based on. And I, I don't know if I share it much. I'm always spending time in it and looking for things in the Bible. And here are the five things that kind of pretty much is the bedrock of our, the bedrock of our church. And it's one, by, by faith alone. It's by faith alone. Everything we do, it's by faith alone. It's by grace alone. You're, you're saved by grace. It is only faith that pleases God, faith alone. It is, it is Christ alone. It is Christ and no one else and nothing else. We glorify and exalt him. He, it is Christ alone. Christ is the only one that can save us. Not Christ in your works. Not, not Christ in the church. Jesus Christ is the, the way, the truth, and the life. And no one else can go to the Father except through him. Fourth, it is by the word of God alone. It is the word of God alone. We don't preach anything else. We don't teach anything else. We are a Bible-based church. The truths that we preach from, that we teach from, there's always a scripture behind it. If there's not a scripture behind it, do you know what it is? It's an opinion. And you, you better not come on, a Saturday, on Sunday morning for an opinion. You better come for the word of God, the truth of God that sets you free. And the final thing that we believe in, it's all for the glory of God alone and him only and no one else. It is not for the glory of the pastor. It is not for the glory of the band. It is not for the glory. It is not for your glory. It is not for the, for the board's glory or the deacon's glory. Everything we do, it is to glorify God. And we try to do that as much as we can every single day in all that we do. So when I'm preaching on faith, and it is only faith that pleases God, what I, what I will show you throughout this 8, 10, 12-part series, I don't know. We'll see how far we go. But, but as, as I show you all this, you'll see what faith does, what faith does in your life, because, because this fear of the Lord is going to please God. God will be pleased by you fearing him and honoring him and respecting him and obeying him. That's why, I, that's why I love this series. It, it is, it is it, I don't know, it's my favorite series, The Jesus Revolution, where we did 152 sermons on the life of Christ. That was my favorite series of all time. But th th this one's really good too. Now, so here's, here's Noah. He hears the Lord. He does what the Lord says. But this faith makes him get up every morning, put his gloves on and go to work. Like I said, for 120 years, he did this. This ark weighed roughly as they start doing all the measurements. And I've got the measurements. It was 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. It weighed 15,000 tons. It took 120 years to build. That's a lot of boat. It's huge. It is so big that you could fit, when they start doing the math and the square footage and all of that, you could fit over 500 boxcars where people store things, those big boxcars where they put in ships. 520. 
you could fit over 125,000 sheep-sized animals. You put 125,000 sheep in that boat. Took them 120 years to build, and every day he does it. When the flood comes, what you need to know is Noah and the family and the animals, they stayed in that ark for over one year. They stayed in that ark while the water was risen for 371 days. And it was a flood of monumental proportion. It was a flood that was worldwide. How do we know it was worldwide? Because it took 371 days for that water to recede, to recede, to, 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 to drop. It took that long. And it got up to Mount Ararat. And Mount Ararat is 17,000 feet. So when, when you've got water that's up to 17,000 feet, it's not a flood like South Texas. And it floods a lot here, but nothing like this. And for the water to take 371 days, we have the understanding and we know through science and through math that this was a worldwide event. It's undeniable. When you start looking at that and you start seeing what uh, archaeologists find and, and how they find animals like, like woolly mammoths that are, that are caught up in the Arctic but have tropical food in their stomach. When, when they, they, they excavate all that, they got to go, what are, what are they doing with tropical food in their mouth? Now you know how the waters took the animals that didn't survive the flood, how they went all across the world. That's just one example. There's plenty more. But you have to understand, in the middle of all of this, in the middle of all the darkness and all the evil that's going on in the world, and in the middle of all the destruction and all the people that are screaming and crying for help, and God closes the door. It wasn't Noah that closed the door. It was God that closed the door. And when God closes the door, it's too late. One day the door's going to close for you. I did two funerals yesterday. One day the door is going to close for you. And right now while the door is open and while you have life, you better give your life to Jesus Christ. Because once that door closes, it's done. Oh, I got time. I got time. I got plenty of time. How much time you got? Well, look, Noah's been building this for 50 years. I got time. He's been building it for, he's been doing it since grandpa was around. There's plenty of time. And next thing you know, you start filling a drop of water. You don't even know what that is. And now you're realizing, boom, the door closes. It is gone. The moment of your salvation is closed. You will breathe your last breath. Every one of you here will breathe it. And I pray to my Lord and my Savior that you don't come to church for a pep rally. I pray you come to church so you can learn of your salvation and the joy of your salvation and the cost of your salvation and the beauty of your salvation so one day you can give your life to Christ and your family's life and heritage will be changed because you were born a child of fear and you became a child of faith when you accepted Christ into your life. I, I am I'm amazed at Noah. And 120 years, nonstop. And, and he don't, the only help he's got is his family. And that's it. And no one else. And what's coming 
it's, it's undescribable. I'm telling you, just so you know, there's going to be a cataclysmic event of worldwide proportions. I'm not here to scare you. I'm not here to scare you. I pray that the fear of the Lord grasps you and gets a hold of you. I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow. I'm not saying that the Ukraine is going to create this. And we don't know when it's going to happen. Just like the people in the time of Noah that were living in darkness, they didn't know when it was going to happen. Noah knew it was going to happen. And Noah believed in what God said, even though he had never seen it. And he believed it because that's what faith does. Faith believes what God reveals. And faith trusts in what God promises. So when God made the revelation and God made the promise, Noah acted. And Noah didn't stop until it was completed. Let's read scripture. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was full of, full of violence. God observed all this corruption in the world. Again, the culture of Cain has exploded. For everyone, that's a sad statement. But it's true. Everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures. For they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, promise. I will wipe out. I will wipe them all out along with the earth. And then there's a command. In verse 14, it says, build a large boat. And he gives them all the description. And I, I, I didn't want to get into all that. You can read Genesis 6, 7, and 8 later on. But then I, I go to verse 22. Because verse 22 really impresses me. And that's why it's in orange. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Time out. What would it look like if all of us did everything? that God commanded us to do. Do you know how blessed you would be? You know how fortunate you are to have the opportunity to do everything that God commands you to do. So when, I, when, I, when we, through the word of God, through the Holy Spirit, color code your Bible into, hey, here are the commands. Hey, here are the, pro here are the promises. Faith believes and trusts in those promises because of the promise, because of who God is, the one who made the promise. Here's the red, here's the command, do what the command says. Because look at what happened when Noah did exactly as God commanded him to do. Noah didn't do the command so God could love him. Noah loved the Lord. And because Noah loved the Lord, he was obedient. Don't put obedience in front of love. Obedience doesn't create love. Love creates obedience. And when you love the Lord and the Lord tells you to do something that's contrary to what this world tells you to do, you have no problems doing it because the only one you're interested in is the audience of one, is the audience of God, not the audience of 10,000 people that are in the room. All you care about is what God thinks and you do what he says because you love him. Give him a praise offering for that. Mm. Okay, so now let's go to command uh, truth number two. It's a cuckoo picture. But I want you to look what it says. Faith listens. And faith prepares itself for God's warnings. So if faith believes in what God reveals, and if faith trusts in the promises that God gives, 
I would add a third thing. Then faith believes and trusts in the warnings, or better yet, faith fears the warnings of God and respects the warnings of God. When God says, hey, I'm about to do this and it's not going to be good, so you better buckle your seatbelt. Well, there's a warning. You better do it. Because if you don't do it, it's going to go bad. So here's what I will tell you. I'm going to sound like a good old-fashioned preacher now. And I love it. You believe everything that God reveals. Faith believes everything that God reveals. And hear me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. All of it. Faith doesn't, faith doesn't just, oh, I'll take this because I like the way this sounds. Oh, I'll take this one because this one I can, I, I can deal with. I don't like this, this part of the Bible. I just don't like it. So I, I'm going to remove it. Wait a minute. That's not faith in God. That is faith in you. And you're putting your future after death in you because you don't like what the word says. You can't do that. You, you cannot do that at all. So, so we love the love of God, but we don't love the discipline of God. We love that God has heaven, but we don't like talking about hell. We love that God forgives sin, but we don't like that God punishes sin. We only like this side of the message. We only like the part that, that tastes nice and sweet and beautiful and gorgeous, and it's just great. We love that. This other part we want to run away from. But here's what you can't do. You can't run away from the consequence of the warning and of what's going to come and the judgment of God. You cannot run away from that judgment. It, it is going to happen. Every single one of us. So I'm going to tell you three things that faith does when, when, it, when you start coming in and, and you listen to God's warnings. One, because of the warnings of the Lord and because you believe all of the word of God, not just part of the word of God. So you submit to his will and you don't change the Bible to fit your will. You adjust your life to his truth. You don't adjust his truth to your life. Because if you adjust his truth to your life, you're not in the ark. And if you're not in the ark, you're going to get the punishment and the judgment that God has upon it. The safety is in fearing the Lord and honoring the Lord and obeying the Lord and doing what he says and getting in the ark. The present day ark is the church through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one that's building the ark. Jesus Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. You are the modern ark. You are the present church. You are the ones that will go in in Christ. Whew, I'm getting fired up right now. I need some water, not to drink, but to cool me down. I mean, this is... Just feel like my dad right now. I just need to go like, oh, ha, ha, this is my dad. If you know my dad, that's my dad. That's just, just my dad. It's just, it's the way I grew up. It's like, okay, I'll accept him. I'll accept him. Just, wow. And, and then I found out the love of God. And then I fell in love with him. I love God. I love who he is. I love his, his mind. 
I love his heart. I love his will. I love his essence, his holiness, and his power. He's, he's like Aslan. Have you ever, those of you who know the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? There's the, the, I forget if it's the little beaver or the little squirrel where someone asks, hey, what's Aslan like? Is he safe? He go, safe? Who says anything about Aslan being safe? But he's good. You're like, okay, he's good? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to walk around. It's like, it's, he's a lion. I mean, he can do whatever he wants to, but he's good. And that's the, kind of the same thing with God. It's like, man, God's, God's dangerous. God can be dangerous at any moment. And he can, he can put an end to all of us at any moment. And you walk around with the Lord, any, anyone who saw God, they fell to their face. It's like, whoa. But I'll say what, what Mr. Beaver said, but he's good. And so there's this power of God that's awe-striking and, and, and just beyond measure. Like that light is so bright. But, 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 but the light and the power and the holiness of God, we're, we're dead in his tracks. But thank God that he's good. And thank God that he's all merciful. And thank God that he's slow to anger. And thank God that he's full of compassion. Can you give God a praise offering and say, thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that you are merciful and kind. And yet you have this power in any moment to do anything you will. And there's nothing we can do to stop it. But you choose to use that power for us and not against us as your sons and daughters. And that's the good news, and we're grateful to you for that. That's, that's, that's honoring him, and that's glorifying him. And, and that, that's, what, that's what Noah had. So the first thing that the warnings of the Lord did to Noah is he couldn't help but obey God. Faith doesn't have to understand the instructions. Faith doesn't have to comprehend it. You know what faith has to do to the instructions? Faith responds to the instructions. You know, I, I used to think this when I was younger, and as I got older, I changed. So, so in my younger days, you could never ask your parents why. I need you to do this. Why? Why? Because I said so, fool. Fool. You, I said so. But, 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 that's it. Today's generation asks why, but they don't ask because they're questioning your authority. I would hope not. Maybe they are. But we have a different child today. They ask because they really want to know. That's their way of comprehending. Now, you know which ones are just rebels. You know which ones are fools. But then you also know which ones are very intuitive. And so players would ask me, hey, coach, why are we running this? And if I would have asked that to my coach, <laughs> well, we're going to run it now without you, son. It's like, oh, God, I'm not on the team anymore. Okay. <laughs> but, but now they, they want to know because they want to understand. And it, it's a wonderful thing. But at the same time, I love a player that says, coach, I don't need to know, I don't need to know why. Just tell me what to do. It's kind of like, wow, you trust me that much? Yeah, I, I just, faith doesn't need to know why. 
Faith just needs to know who's saying it, from what office, and what authority. And, and the trust there says, if you say it, I believe it, that settles it, I'll do it. That's what Noah had. So one, faith gets you to always obey God's word. Two, faith not only gets you to obey God's word, but faith shows up in your life. Faith is, a, is evidence, right, of, of what you believe in. So for Noah, faith showed up in his preaching. Noah was a preacher. He didn't use very many words because he didn't have to. You know when Noah was preaching, the same, the same time you're preaching? You know that every day you're preaching? I'm a preacher. You're a preacher every day. Every day you go into work, every day you get home from work, Every room you walk into, you're preaching. You're either preaching the good news or you're preaching the bad news. You're either putting your faith in God or putting your faith in yourself. And you're preaching every single day. By your words, some of them. More, by your actions. You preach without words every day. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Every day you're preaching. Noah, for 120 years... He preached the gospel of dependence on God. Because for 120 years, for 365 days, every day, he kept building that boat. And as he kept building that boat in the middle of criticism, in the middle of ridicule, in the middle of uncertainty, in the middle of all that everyone's making fun of him and laughing at him, he's still building that boat. He's still preaching the message of, I am going to depend on God. I'm going to trust God. Even though everyone else is laughing at me, it doesn't matter. I'll go back to that one thing, the audience of one. I listen to you and I obey you and I trust you. When you have that, teenagers, please listen to me. Peer pressure doesn't affect you at all. You're not affected by peer pressure. You're not affected by what the world wants because all you care about is what God wants and you preach that message every day. You're either bowing down to the opinions of people or you're bowing down to the truth of God every day and you preach it every day. Noah preached it every single day because he obeyed the Lord and it was evident in his life. I love Noah. And the third thing that faith did for him is it, it, it was credited to him as God's righteousness. When he obeyed, when he lived the faith in the middle of all the ridicule, God credited to him righteousness. The Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And when Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, here's what, here's what Revelation chapter 7 1 says. Then the Lord said to Noah, enter the ark, you and your household, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me. You're righteous before me. You fear me. You honor me. You glorify me. You respect me in the good and in the bad, in the ridicule and in the worship, in the church and outside of the church. This is what God is telling you. This is, this is justification by faith. Justification is a big word which, word, which means God sees you just as if you've never sinned because you received the righteousness of Christ upon you when you put your faith in Christ. When you put your faith in Christ, Christ takes your sin on the cross and he gives you his holiness. And you're, become, you're made a saint by his holiness, not by your actions, 
I'll talk more about that on Easter, a lot more about it. But, but this is the great exchange. This is the wonderful beauty of our relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, if you put your faith in me, I'll give you my righteousness. And you're not perfect. You're not perfect amongst men and women, but amongst God, you are perfect because the blood, I'm preaching Easter's message. Because the blood of Christ satisfies the wrath of God. It satisfies his wrath. Instead of you receiving the punishment, you receive the grace. That's the beauty of it. So when Satan says, you're not perfect, you're going to go, I know. You're right. But you see this blood? This blood, in the eyes of my father, makes me whiter than snow. And then nothing you can do about it. Come on Easter. I'll talk a whole lot more about that. Let me give you scripture. Now we go to Hebrews 11 because that's the chapter where we're kind of focusing this whole series on. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen because he hadn't seen them yet. Watch this. In reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. See, fear, faith, and fear work together. And reverent fear constructed the ark, saving his household. By this, he condemned the world. There's his preaching. He condemned the world. He built the ark to say, this is how salvation happens. When you trust and depend on God, this is how salvation happens. He condemned the world and became an heir to the righteousness that comes by faith. The only way men and women come to God is not by your works, not by your sweat, not by your effort, not by your trophies, not by how many verses you've memorized, not by how much money you give to the church, not, not by how many times you come to church. The only way you are made right before God, the only thing that is pleasing to God is your faith in him. Give him a praise offering for that. <laughs> and if I could have uh, um, David come up and play something. Truth number three, a godly fear, a godly fear is a gift from God. There's two types of fear in the Bible. There's the fear of the Lord, and then there's that fear of everything else. And we get so caught up in the fear of everything else. The fear of everything else is the fear that paralyzes you. It disables you. It, it, it limits you. It, it doesn't allow you to go any further. It, it makes you question the, this all. It makes you question a lot of things. It makes you wonder... Is God really near? Has God pulled away? Uh, is God, does God love me? Is, is there anyone else who cares about me? That, that, that you're afraid of rejection. You're afraid of loneliness. You're afraid of failure. You're, sometimes you're even afraid of success. You're afraid of everything. And, and, and that's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a blessing. The fear of the Lord is something as, as Noah had reverent fear. It blessed him 
The fear of the Lord will bless you. I'm going to give you three scriptures here to help you see this. Let me read these. Proverbs 14, 26, for those of you that are note takers. Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress. And for their children, that fortress will be a refuge. How about that? Don't you want your children to be safe? The way your children become safe is by you fearing the Lord. When you go into the secure fortress of God out of fear for him, out of I fear my life, what would my life look like if I didn't have God? So I honor him and revere him and respect him so much that I'm going to live in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to live in his household. I'm going to one day in the Lord is better than 10,000 days outside of the Lord, outside of his house. I want to be in there with him. And as I enter into the room with him, just as Noah walked into, walked into the ark, which, which represents the fear of the Lord and honoring the Lord and obeying the Lord and, and, and giving credit to, to him as righteousness, then my children will see what God has done in my life. And maybe one day they will also seek him as a refuge. But the more you fear the Lord and the more you honor him and the more you revere him and exalt him and glorify him and live for him, the more your children will see and they will see, they will not hear the message that they hear every Sunday. They will see the message they see every day in your life. That is honorable and that is a great gift from the Lord too. Proverbs 19.23 says this, the fear of the Lord, this is good, the fear of the Lord leads to life. I'm not talking about just any life. I'm not talking about a life of this world. I'm talking about an everlasting, eternal life. You fear the Lord and it will take you down the path of God. It will direct you to what God has and you will want what God wants and you will hate what God hates and you will think as God thinks and you will live as Jesus lived and you will love as Jesus loved and you will lead as Jesus led. It leads to life. Stop talking about all the noise in this world. God, we're so worried about what people think about us. That doesn't mean to, to not, not love people and listen to them. That's not what I'm saying. I fear the Lord so much. Just like I feared and honored my mom and my dad. I didn't want to do anything to make my mom and dad feel ashamed of anything I did. The fear of breaking their heart is what made me walk down the right path. And I don't ever want to break the heart of Christ. Now, I wasn't perfect. You can ask my mom. She'll tell you a couple of times when I needed slappings all over the face, and I, I deserved them. But I pray that, that mom and dad could see that I tried to be honorable. I don't want to hurt them. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Oh, and he who has it rests satisfied. Translation, you snore when you sleep and you sleep good. You sleep good. You lie down beside green pastures by still waters 
Though 10,000 surround you, you will not be afraid. It's, it's the beauty of fearing God. Noah had that. Psalms 112.1, verse one of chapter 112 says this. Praise the Lord. How joyful are those. How joyful. How joyful. Are you joyous? Do you have joy? Are you full of joy? How joyful. It's not happy. It's beyond circumstance. Joy is not of this world. It's from the heavens. It's from the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. How joyful are those who fear the Lord. And how joyful are those who delight in obeying his commands. I close with this. Godly fear is wonderful because it'll do three things. It'll, godly fear lives in the fruit of forgiveness. And let me explain what I mean by the, by the fruit of forgiveness. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. When when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you know who Jesus is and what he did for you, you have this unbelievable fear, like what I shared about my mom and my dad, that you don't want to do anything to trample on the love of Christ because you find out how much he really loves you. When you find out how much Jesus really loved you and how he died on the cross for you and how he bled for you and how he suffered for you and all, all the, how his bones were crushed and broken and all of that, you don't want to trample on his cross. You don't want to dishonor his blood. You want to respect his sacrifice. And because you honor and respect the sacrifice, you're fearful to, to not in a negative way, just, you, you just don't, the best way I could describe it is, I don't want to mess this up. And not that I'm going to, or that he's going to say, oh, that's it, John, you took one step off, I'm not blessing you anymore. No, no, no. I love him so much, I want to make sure that I honor his sacrifice. The thing that makes me cry all the time, all the time, is when I get before the Lord and I say, Lord, why me? Why did you choose me? Why did you pick me? I'm so unworthy. I'm unworthy of your love. I don't, I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve this kind of love. But I receive it and I embrace it and I accept it and I honor it all the days of my life. I pray that I can bring honor to you. I don't want to do anything, anything to, to re-crucify you or anything for you to look upon me and go, oh, John, what are you doing? I don't ever want to do that. That breaks me every time. And that's the joy of my salvation. It's the joy of it. It's not a boo-hoo, oh, I'm so bad. It's, it's, not, it's not that. It's just boo-hoo, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good to me. So that's one thing. You, you, the fruit of forgiveness is wonderful. Godly fear is not only in the fruit of forgiveness. In God's fear, what it'll do is it'll keep you from sinning. Um, I love this story. I love when Potiphar's wife goes goes to Joseph and you know tries tries to have sex with him and and, and how Joseph runs away and he, and I love what he says 
I love what he says. This is so beautiful. He says, how can I sin against God and you? He puts God first. How can I sin before the Lord? Godly fear will keep you from sinning. You, you, just, you, just, you just can't do it. Godly fear is a wonderful thing. Godly fear to a Christian are, are like brakes to a car. Let me explain. A car that has no brakes is headed towards disaster. A Christian that has no godly fear is headed towards a big crash. Let the fear of God, as Noah used in his life, let it run your life. Let it save you. Let it, let it take you to places that you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't go to if you didn't have the fear of the Lord. Even at Mount Sinai, when the presence of God gets in Mount Sinai, the Bible says that the mountain starts to shake and everybody's so afraid. And God says, God has let you see this to put fear in you so you would not sin against the Lord. So it's kind of like, wow, I just, so there's that power there, but there's also that respect. And finally, godly fear will help you pursue holiness. It'll just help you pursue holiness. Um, and I said it earlier and I'll say it again. Um, when I said at the beginning that we're all going to face the judgment seat. Look, we're all going to die. Sorry, very bad news. And we're all going to face God's judgment seat. God is going to ask you two questions. He's going to ask you one why should you come into heaven? And then you say, well, I went to my church. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. You know, my GPA, he ain't gonna care about that. When you say I gave my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I accepted his blood, and I received his righteousness, come on in. And the next question he's going to ask you, those that come on in, he's going to ask you this. So what did you do with the freedom and life I gave you in Christ? Oh, it got real quiet. I sat in the front row. Sorry, honey. <laughs> that ain't it. What did you do? What did you do with the life I gave you? I ask you today. What will you do with the gift that you've been given? Will you build an ark the rest of your life? One that shows that you depend on God and trust in God and love God and fear God regardless of whether you win or whether you lose, regardless of your circumstances, if people applaud you or make fun of you, if people backstab you or hug you, will you continue to build what God has called you to build? Or will you just be a spectator with the gift that you've been given? Jeremiah 32, 39, and 40. And then after this, we're going to take communion. Oh, this is powerful. It's ingrained because it's a promise. God says, I will give them one heart in one way. It's an orange because it's an emphasis. That they may fear me forever. Watch. For their own good. Time out. There it is. Fearing God is a good thing. It's for your own good. 
and the good of their children after them. It goes on, it passes on. The fear of the Lord from my parents came to the fear of the Lord into my life. 40, verse 40, I will make them an everlasting covenant. It should be in green, it's a promise. That I will not turn away from doing good to them. That's another promise. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts. Why? That they may not turn from me. God puts the fear of himself in your heart so you can depend on him and so you can run to him. Could the communion team come forward? I'm going to pray for the elements right now. And, and as we pray for the elements, you're going to receive those and you're going to stay there. I'm going to have the band come on up now and we'll, we'll play something just a little bit in the background and then we'll take it together and we'll worship. Father, as these elements are being passed, Lord, help us to just have a moment right now to just think, think and contemplate of what we're going through in our life. I ask those of us that take these elements to have us reflect on what are we building? What are we building? What are we doing with our lives? Could you take time right now as you receive these elements to just for a moment, just stop and reflect and ask the Lord, just, just you and him, just pray to him and, and ask him to reveal to you what he wants you to build in this next, in this year. Could you do that right now as the band comes up? Yes, Lord. Yes, Father. We honor you and praise you, Lord. We glorify you, Father. We thank you for everyone that is here today and everyone that is watching and what, what you're telling them because you're speaking to everybody individually and differently. Lord, help us to have this wonderful fear that helps us to never turn away from you to always want more of you. Lord, help us to respect your office. We honor you, Lord. We fear you. We love you. We respect you. Could you stand, please? I hope you know Jesus loves you. I hope you know he asks, he gives a command. He tells us to remember him. We talk to God so much about our problems. And we have all have problems. But we don't have as many problems as those that are outside of the ark. You can get a little scared and nervous in the ark as the world and the turmoil of this world feels like it's going to turn our boat upside down and inside out and worried about the waves knocking us out, well, we're fine. We're, God's got us. It's the people that are under the water that are done. We're at the table of Christ. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he got all of his friends, his 12 disciples together. He spent three years with them to love them and train them and teach them. And now he tells them, this is my body. And he takes the bread and he says, it will be broken for you. And Jesus broke the bread. 
and his body would be broken for them. Isaiah says that 500 years before, 600 years before this, that, that he will be broken so we, so we will be made whole. Jesus said, do this and remember me. After dinner, Jesus took a cup of wine and he said something amazing. This is the good news. This is basically the new covenant. I will create a new way where I will remove your sins. Basically, it comes down to, it's what we've talked about. If you place your faith in me, then basically the power of my blood will cleanse you and make you whiter than snow. For you can only come to God through faith. Jesus basically said that night, remember me and have faith in me. Do this. For every time you eat of this bread and every time you eat of this drink, you announce my death until I return. Let's worship our God and let's worship him like we're in the ark and it's only us and it's him.
Until you come again Oh, I'll sing hallelujah Until you come again Sing with me And I'll dance in your presence Until you come again Oh, I will I will sing hallelujah Just 
Bible studies this week. God bless you. Thank you for being in church. We'll see y'all next week. Thanks.